This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Character actor is a supporting actor who specialises in playing unusual, interesting or eccentric characters. For whatever reason, these performers are less concerned with being stars. Because of that, they often take supporting roles in big movies or only play leads in indie films or TV. They're less concerned with their image. They can bounce between heroes or villains. They're chameleons and they often disappear into each role. So you might know the faces, but you might not know the names. So subscribe to us wherever you can subscribe for podcasts and be on the lookout for that to come. And until then, uh, see you later, Cinephiles. Bye-bye. Hello there, and welcome to this special Film Network Ireland rap chat on the powerful new Irish film, Wildfire, that just had its first screening, real-life screening, in London's BFI. This was a special screening because Wildfire uh, is emblematic of so many great films that didn't really get its day in the sun, so to speak, because of COVID and the lockdown, so... After a lot of virtual screenings on uh, film festivals that had all been forced to go online and the experience that everyone had uh, with film over the last year and a half, where it was very much us confined to our bedrooms and our laptops, very kind of private, personal, well, I won't say shameful, but something not what we're used to, definitely not in, not giving us the magic of cinema, which is what we all long for, especially in this industry or anyone who has a passion for the arts and cinema. Wildfire finally got its day out with a real live audience in one of the beautiful auditoriums in London's BFI. And this was its first screening ahead of its proper general release date in September. September 3rd is when it's going to go into UK and Irish cinemas. All things being equal, of course, and hoping that the cinemas do actually open on September 3rd, as we've been promised. So this is a slightly different rap chat in the sense of it's all done live. So I travelled to London to see the screening of Wildfire and then afterwards interviewed Kathy and Nora Jane Noon, one of the film's co-stars, in person. So everything is on the hoof. Um, a little bit of live atmosphere from the cinema, hopefully to give a little bit of excitement about that feeling of being in the cinema and that anticipation of waiting for the film that you've chosen to see about to start. And uh, also this film has a lot of uh, poignancy around it, not just the fact that it's about the fractious Irish border at a time when troubles along the border seem to be ramping up again. And also because it's the final film of one of the lead co-stars, actress Neek McGuigan, who died in post-production two years ago in 2019. So there's a lot about this film uh, that makes it a very special film, not to mention the fact that it's been nominated for multiple IFTA awards and has been recognised by Cannes Grade 8. And uh, Kathy Brady, the director, has also won the IWC Schaffhauser Film Bursary. So uh, a lot of exciting things around this film. And uh, I believe it's only just the beginning for it, uh, for Kathy Brady, for Nora Jane Noon and for the wonderful team behind Wildfire. And um, I really hope you enjoy this uh, slightly different FNI rap chat. And uh, here it is. Enjoy.
So Wildfire was finished in February 2020 after a lot of hard work, five years page to screen, and then two and a, a year filming, and another year in post-production, and then finally finished in February 2020. And of course, as we all know, in March 2020, COVID happened. So when this film should have been coming to cinemas and audiences in Ireland, England, and around the world, it was forced to go online, like so many other great films that never got to see the light of day. So today, it is uh, June the 20th, the summer solstice, and I'm here on the South Bank in London, outside the BFI, and Wildfire is about to have its first ever live in-person screening, which is extremely exciting and a little bit anxiety-inducing, but it's going to have a real-life audience for the first time, a socially distanced audience, but still a real-life audience. So I'm about to go in and watch it, and then afterwards we're going to talk to Kathy Brady and Nora Jane Noon, the director and uh, one of the stars of the uh, film, respectively. So stay tuned and more to come. It's incredibly surreal to be back in the cinema again, but incredibly special. Um, making a film is incredibly hard. Um, you need several things, a lot of time, a lot of money, thank you financiers. Um, but not only that, the most important is you need belief and vision, and that is something you can't do by yourself. And I had the most incredible team of people who shared that vision with me, who believed in this vision. And without them, we wouldn't be here. So I just want to say a huge thank you to BFI Film for Northern Ireland Screen, Screen Ireland, uh, Welcome Trust, um, and as well as that, my producers Carlo, David, and Charles. Um, you've been remarkable. Um, but uh, finally, um, Nika and Nora Jane. Um, these two, were, they were more than um, just actors for me. They became my sisters. And I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud that we get to sit in cinema and share this experience together. So thank you very much. Just to mirror what Kathy said, we're, we're so lucky to get to work in this way, and it's rare, and it doesn't happen very often. And so to finally get to share it with people um, for real. Thank you so much for coming out. I know it's strange times, and we're all still readjusting to being around each other, but isn't it exciting? <laughs> um, and just just so grateful to, to have a chance to do this. So thank you so much for coming out, guys. Welcome to this special Film Network Ireland Rap Chat on the powerful Irish film Wildfire that just had its first sold-out public screening, socially distanced, of course, at London's BFI, ahead of it going on general release in September. I'm here with the writer-director of Wildfire, Cathy Brady, and the film's co-lead, Nora Jane Noon. Welcome both to Rap Chat. Thank, Thank you. So, after countless delays, setbacks, virtual screenings, you finally had your first real-life public screening of Wildfire. How does it feel? 
Oh, uh, oh my God. I don't know. It's very strange to... Many, many feelings. Many, many feelings. Not enough words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a roller coaster. Um, relief. Uh, uh, pride. Celebration. Pride. Bittersweet. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, you just realise the power of cinema again. You know, just that darkened space, the lights going down. The electricity you feel in the room, like the connection, you know, because we're, we're just so instinctual beings and like, you know, all this stuff is so unspoken when someone's connected to something emotionally, like it's a ripple effect on an audience and you don't get that in a, watching on your laptop alone. Yeah. Um, but not only that, like it's the scale, the scale of the sound, the scale of the picture. Um, the immersiveness of being so close with people. Um, you know, I've just been on the screen and, and even hearing people's breath in the audience and, and kind of hearing their reactions to it and feeling where they might be connecting more or less or where you didn't expect them to connect. That's and Jesus, always really lovely. Do you lovely. remember I, I noticed she was like, oh my God, look at that woman. She was reacting. So there's a scene, not to give anything away, where Kelly's swimming dangerously with kids and the woman in front Spoiler. of her but like I don't say what happened yeah. but anyway I noticed Nora Jane because the woman in front was like she was grasping her face and she was so physical I was like holy shit and you forget you forget well, I wouldn't know. the experience of cinema yeah. going another way even when you yeah. go yourself and you're, you're so moved by something you do you kind of you know you yeah. kind of tighten there's up your there's a arms. physical reaction yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it's just so nice to be with people yeah and I think it really makes you realise how important you know the community is because we've been so cut off from community for so long yeah. and this was a way of uh, both experiencing the film as it should be seen for some of us who've seen the film before but virtually like I had there's just no words to describe the difference that the proper cinema screen does for a film like this mm. but it's also that feeling of you know when you go to a concert or you go to the cinema or the theatre you're going for the show and you're going for the experience but you're also going for that sense of I belong Mm. I'm here and I'm connecting to all these people we're having a shared lived experience and you just don't get that with the virtual that we've been forced to live through for the last year or two you know yeah. well I think that you know that's the nature of storytelling in the sense that it it go you you get to witness someone else's journey someone else's story and somehow you know your own sense of empathy lands you into that moment um, and like what cinema provides is this magnifying space you know, where you not only witness it in a very pure sense, but like the people around you, and you you, you realize, yeah, you're right. I belong. I'm not alone. Really, that's mm. that's the power of theater, cinema, concerts. Yeah, it's why we seek it out, surely. Absolutely, and I think you know, I really experienced that personally, getting to see the film for the first time in a real life situation last night, and um, it really was magic, you know, because. Uh, you, you, we were talking previously to recording this about how you don't realise how much you miss these things mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're given the opportunity to experience them again and it's just, you go, oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you do, you disappear into another world in that dark space for a couple of hours and mm -hmm. come out and you're, you're able to be filled with all these thoughts and these new sort of... You know, questions even about your, like you said, your own experiences, because that's that's what happens when you mm. empathise with something. It also brings up 
what you've been through in your own life that you can relate to and, and it just it helps you process so much mm. um, and to have that time out um, I mean you say time out but it's also community so it's mm, like yeah. that, that kind of weird yeah. that kind of weird contradiction of, of cinema where you're alone in your own thoughts and feelings but yet you're, yeah. you're living and breathing it with other people mm. that's just so special yeah and there's almost something um amniotic about going into the cinema yeah. room yeah. you know the auditorium you go in and you're in this dark space and it's you know contracted and it's a moment where if you're watching a really good piece of cinema you can be changed and you can re-emerge into the light and actually go I don't see the world the way I used to see it you know and I think that's that's what you get to re-experience when you go to the cinema especially a cinema as gorgeous as BFI what a great place to have yeah. its first screening. Yeah. yeah. To come out onto the water and yeah. oh my God, yeah. see the poster. Yeah. The poster is incredible. It's a, it's a live action poster somewhat. It keeps changing from one amazing still to the next and it really just builds the excitement for coming in to see the film. And speaking of the film, Cathy, you conceived and wrote this film uh, with the co-leads, Nika and Nora Jane. But you used an unusual devising to page method as opposed to the traditional script first method. So what is it about this kind of process that speaks to you? I don't know. I think it was something that with each of my shorts, I sort of, I got a sense of when you dig into working with actors very closely, that you really get the level of, uh, of nuance that I desire in story and for me, it has to be character first, often before plot. I want to understand how the character is driven to those moments that become the story. And this process of working very closely with actors allows for that. Um, but I also really feel like I like to research quite heavily. Um, so having worked with Nora Jane and Nika separately, um, I was drawn to what would happen if I put them together. But not only that, like... I know that they would bring out the best in me and I could bring out the best in each other, you know? So it was a bit of an experiment, kind of going, okay, let's just let's just meet up and see what happens. And it took a few weeks for that to happen and we sat in Bewley's in Dublin and um, over several pots of tea and I just sat back and it was just, I feel like it's one of those moments in your life. It won't happen that often, but you know you have something remarkable and you can't quite put your finger on it. And I was like shit my instincts were right there's something very special here and I think we went off had a pint of Guinness and by the end of that pint of Guinness I think even before we had our first sup yeah, yeah. we agreed that we were going to make a film together no matter what and what took close to six years maybe five years I don't know uh, I think it was five years but it's been well it's been six now yeah yeah so I started with casting first, so really it was about building a world and characters that would excel what we were all interested in, and um, we talked about a few stories back and forth. We really wanted fierce women at the front of the film, no matter what we were doing, and then I showed the girls a clip of the Erickson twin sisters walking along the middle of the M6 in England, and hit oncoming traffic, survived with remarkable fury. And it was really complicated and complex and we didn't understand what the hell had happened when you watch this footage. And I think we wanted to get to grips with what would cause two sisters to do that. And in the documentary it's very clear that they weren't intending to take their own lives. So that became complicated. Understanding what a shared psychosis was, um, not having had any of that experience firsthand, I really felt like 
I want to build this from the ground up in terms of research because I need to understand this. And then uh, Nika and Ordian folding into that and, and kind of bringing together their influences, experiences, and their yearning for certain areas of research. You know, we were kind of building it together and it was physicality first, you know, building the tone, the references, and then, you know, workshopping in, in real time sometimes. Um, before we got to our first script and then you know when funders come on board of course they want their draft and not their draft they want their they want to sort of help you with their notes and you know you implement certain things and um, yeah so it was a hell of a journey yeah but you know when we finished the film it was fully scripted it wasn't an improvised film Um, but because it's been made in a different way it feels different Hmm, absolutely does and Nora Jane uh, your character, Lauren, is uh, she comes across as a character who is full of suppressed emotions and rage, and this gradually sort of becomes released as the film goes on and the tension builds. What did you draw on to create her? Um, well, like Kathy said, you know, we'd, we'd done an awful lot of research, and um, I had. Um, witnessed um, people very close to me who'd been through psychosis um, and um, had dealt with a suicide of, a, of a, a loved one. And so for me, it was just so important to um, create a person who felt very real and to hold all of the things that do build to, you know, cause you know, mental health problems of all sorts um, for people in different ways. Everyone has little elements or has moments in their life that are a struggle. And if that's not dealt with, if that's not open, if that's not allowed to heal, this is what happens. It, it becomes deeper and it becomes something else and, and can transform into psychosis. And there was a beautiful thing that we came across in the research that really struck with me. And it was this idea of transformative crisis and the idea that psychosis was what happened when you needed to viscerally relive the trauma that you had to get past and that actually it was a way through Um, and it was such a beautiful idea of um, going on that journey with these characters you know to be able to like let her live it let her relive it and let her let it all out, you know, and that's just such a liberating feeling. And so it was, it was really tense coming up to the, the shoot because I was holding on to all this stuff. But as I got to let it go throughout the shoot, it was like, oh, you know, um, and with the dance scene and it was just, you know, it just, um, I think and I hope that an audience can live that with her and feel that kind of sense of release. Mm. Um, and catharsis of just letting it all out just letting it all out, letting it all go um, and coming through the other side with kind of a, a, an acceptance mm. of whatever it is you've been through um, and so that was really it, obviously there were many layers over the years and we were constantly in touch and feeding music and mm. images and moments, uh, whether it's from our own life or things we've read or poetry yeah. or whatever it was just Lots Even when things. we settled on where Lauren would work, you know, yeah. it's okay. 
the Amazon esque world, um, zero hour contracts, the impact on stability, mental well being. Yeah, even physically, like yeah. um, the conditions, they don't leave the lights on for people. It only, you're walking in darkness for miles and miles with these carts, and then as you come to, you know, your shelf or whatever it is that you're racing towards on a timer then the light will flicker on at the last moment so you're you know the conditions are just so mm. intense and psychologically taxing on people and with the instability of knowing that you could be fired at any moment if you're not reaching your targets and mm. you know all of that so but know. also when when we spoke to um you know the the lady whose sister had gone missing yeah. and it was was found it was remarkable the the nuance when you speak to real people and it was the little moments like when she hugged her sister for the first time she realized she was just a bag of bones yeah and it was like all those experiential things that people had experienced in their own life and you're kind of holding them into your character and kind of going that's real as tangible and somehow um it's real to them so it becomes real to us and you hope it becomes real to an audience yeah yeah, that was that was another um, amazing moment of speaking with with that sister uh, and her her sister had been missing for two years and mm-hmm. was abroad and they they were trying to track her everywhere, you know she had done websites and posters and calling up every police station everywhere she could and so um, you know I I built a little website for for Kelly and and the whole thing and kind of tracked through where she would have gone and who she would have called and the lengths she had gone to to try and find her sister and the heartbreak each step of the way getting a no in thinking maybe she's gone you know and how devastating that would be and what she'd been through all these two years that she'd been away so there was, yeah there was just I mean there's just so much in the film because I think like we we don't we don't give too much clues away but we get a sense that Lauren has been through hell with Kelly being missing we get little clues like she lost her job she you know Veronica says she took to the bed and these were things that we we gathered speaking to people you know mm-hmm. like how you're unable to hold a job anymore uh, that, okay, a, a much more menial job becomes easier than a taxing job that maybe being a teacher is just too demanding. But actually, you when just you don't have the focus because you're living in grief consistently yeah, yeah. for But you years. can't fully grieve because yeah. you are still holding to hope that yeah. they're not yeah. actually gone. Yeah. So you're in this kind of in between space. Going back and forth yeah. between the two. And do you remember then she said that, like, then when her sister came home, she locked all the windows and the doors. Yeah, she she locked her, her into her mm-hmm. house. And she was so like, terrified of her yeah, leaving so, again. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that that kind of became the core of Lauren, really. You know, is once Kelly comes home, she's just so desperate to keep her, and that's it. And that's why she goes. She's willing to finally face everything because she's like, well, I, I'm I can't lose Kelly because that's I'll I'll lose my mind. you know I'll lose I'll, I'll lose myself completely. Yeah. Um, and so she's willing to do anything to, to keep her there and to, to be with her on whatever journey Kelly also needs to go on. Yeah. yeah. And, and losing themselves is what the two sisters do. And I really enjoyed the portrayal of Lauren and Kelly as kind of... There's obviously this wildness. It's almost like women behaving badly, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy version. <laughs> and I... Um, <laughs> Not to go into too much detail, but I, I really love the scene, you know, after uh, there's a little bit of an altercation at a bar and uh, the the girls run, run down the streets and there's this abandon and this wildness and this recklessness. And you very rarely see women, especially young women who are usually portrayed as, you know, 
lovely and pretty and whatever in films really you know behaving badly and you know uh, in an unflattering light and was it important to you to portray women in this kind of unflattering light, Cathy? I never would have thought it unflattering. It's funny, that moment always really... I mean, I watched it last night in the cinema, I was really moved because their ferocious spirit of running through that time, this shitty little Irish town that's forgotten in the past that just can't seem to heal. And they're running the streets with pure abandonment. Like, but they're trapped. Mm-hmm. And I find the juxtaposition of the heartbreaking... And, you know, they're like, they're running, they're going, fuck you to the police. But, like, they're, they're so contained within that little town. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real tragedy in that. So I don't see them as a flatter. And I feel like they're, they're striving. They're desperately trying to survive in their own way. And there's something really remarkably courageous against all the odds to have that amount of energy and spirit when it's been stamped down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I wanted to show women in a way that was raw, um, uncensored, and maybe in versions wish I had the courage to be fully, you know, like to dance like they dance, to go up to someone and say, I'm not scared of you. You know, like, they live in their own world in the end. They don't live in a man's version of the world, you know, and that that's this town has been a man's world, you know, it's been... You know, uh, uh, there's paramilitary sections of this town. It's you know, it's survived a lot. Um, but these are two young women who are you know, not willing to accept that anymore. And I think that's what's exciting. And I hope it paves the way for um, female characters that are kind of uh, much more messy, um, fierce, yeah. <laughs> unconfined. Yeah. yeah. Unreal, because I feel like everyone's had little moments of that in their life, whether it was when you were 18 or 25 or 50, I don't know, you know, but we all have those moments of letting loose and, or wanting to, you know, really wanting to, Um, and it should be allowed, Mm. and it should be flattering. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know um, and who cares if it isn't flattering though yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what, does, just, what does flattering mean it yeah. kind of, it's a version of what someone wants to be seen like I don't give two shits you know like yeah. just there's such purity and confidence of spirit of just to be who you are mm. not needing permission and yeah. Not needing, yeah. yeah yeah and it was amazing to shoot that scene too I think that was like our last day uh, or towards it's the funny, end, it was it? one of those scenes that they were like, mm, I don't know, budget wise. Do you need it? Do I you don't need it? <laughs> Do you really need that amount of track? Do you really need that amount of streets closed down? And like, yes, you do, because if we had gone straight from that scene to that scene, we would have missed that. You, you'd have lost something. Oh, I lost something. Like, because like, I think once they're in the bar and then they do that, you're like, I'm in. Mm. No matter what, like I understand this bond in a way. Like I, I don't think the audience is ever allowed to fully get inside that bond because it's so precious to them that we won't fully ever understand what they're doing. But I think that moment is like, oh yeah, I've, I know what that feels like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Often you've had a few drinks or yeah. whatever to get to that place, <laughs> but you know. But it gives. I think it's the sort of moment in cinema where you get chills watching it. You know, it's that freedom. And uh, it's it kind of shows, especially in the bar scene and then moving into that scene, how the two characters of Lauren and Kelly start to become extremely symbiotic and almost fuse into one entity, which is really interesting and amazing to watch. 
So how did you create that bond, you know, both in the rehearsal and throughout the filming process? I'll just jump in just a wee second. Yeah. I think it's to start with, they were cast together first mm. before a script, and we started with physicality. Mm. That was our, that's where we started. Our very first workshop wasn't sitting, let's sit around and talk about a script. We were like on the floor, realising that these sisters would have a shared language. They should be able to talk the same way, walk the same way, they should be able to know what each other was thinking. And then the rest is up to Nico and Nora Jean because then they allowed each other that space. So mm. yeah, it was just all in. It was all in from the first workshop, and like you said, you you put us in this space, and you were like, look each other in the eyes, stay there, follow each other. You follow her. You follow her. Um, move that way. Move this way. Go to that place. Go to that place. And and you look someone in the eyes long enough, and you 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 find that sort of back and forth and and the push and pull and like you said the yin and yang and because we were different in, in many ways and you would have to follow that person's strength and obviously that's one person's then fully in their element and in their their comfort zone and and wanting to push further and further and the others in uncharted territory and in an uncomfortable place and trying to like get there you know and then you swing it the other way and you're you're in your comfortable zone and the other person's having to do the same and so it was just such an emotional journey having to do that and um you fight through blocks and you push through and you get to the other side and you know you big moments of highs and big moments of frustration and big moments of of like oh god this is hard <laughs> you know and going to the deep places um and it's just a shared it was just such a, a shared journey emotionally um that you do find those short hands and you do look at someone and you know oh you're going this way you know um i think like <clears throat> workshopping is entirely different to rehearsal I think if you look at any of our workshop footage, like there's years of workshop footage, they, the girls are as switched on, as on fire, as electric as they are on screen in the film. They're not withholding. They're not, I'm going to save this for the day. And workshop demands everything because if you aren't committing to the truth at that moment, then we're not getting the material that the, that the character would experience in that moment that then drives the story. Like rehearsal, you get to dabble. You get to go, well, let's just paint some colours. Well, this is the story beat means this thing or whatever. Like, So the girls had a number of years of really intense workshops where they had to 100 come into the room on the floor, commit to that choice. And we sensed it out. And the thing is, like, yes, they did have their own methods of getting to those places differently, but then we had to collectively find... How do we start to speak the same language here? You know, Nika had her own way, you had your own way, and then equally, I was still trying to devise a film, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, still had finances, you were looking for a script at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. One of my favourite scenes in the film is the uh, river scene, when the two sisters are swimming and uh, they're going forward and back across the invisible borderline between the North and the South. And I just wonder, you're both Northern Ireland natives, how strange I'm is it? Galway. You're Galway. Yeah. I thought you were not. She's just <laughs> an incredible accent. Oh my gosh. You should be conducting this interview in, in uh, Ducker Ducker Ducker. Yeah, Ducker, yeah. Ducker, Ducker. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I always assumed. <laughs> I always assumed. Well, Cathy, you're a Northern Ireland native. Yes. So, how strange is it for you to see the re emergence of violence in the North around the same time that this film is coming to a public audience? 
It's so terrifying. And it... Um, because when we started this film six years ago, whatever, there was no... I don't even... People even knew what the word Brexit was because it didn't exist. And then as we shot the film, we were like, holy shit, Brexit was happening. We didn't know if it was going to be a hard border or a soft border. So when Kelly's crossing the border, we're like, oh, should we make a hard one or should we make a soft one? And then, like, the film gets delayed, then Brexit finally happens, and then you're going, okay, now it's the protocol. Then you see the riots break out in Belfast, and I do feel like my anxiety levels go up around that because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be a, a, a child going to school through an army barracks because they always put the army barracks right next to the school so that they wouldn't blow the, they wouldn't blow the army, army barracks up. I know what it's like to go through school with a sniper pointing at you. I know what it's like to be in school and be told to go run to the back of the building because there's a bomb scare outside. I know what it's like to be walking through the shopping centre to hear there's a bomb scare, please immediately leave. Um, and I, I, have, I have those memories of walking home and there being a, a white tape up because someone was shot. You know... And I would hear from my nieces or nephews to have to experience that. Mm. It's so unnecessary. And I feel like the thing is, it's like what's really difficult about, you know, the, you know, we have fought really hard for peace. And I, I hope that's really protected um, because to unearth all that pain again when it hasn't even had a chance to heal, I just don't know how ferocious it could be. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want to scare monger here, but listen, we don't have any idea what's going to happen. And I hope a story like this puts uh, faces and allows you to walk in the shoes of these characters who have experienced so much, who have lost their father, who have lost their mother in a different sense um, through the grief that's happened in that community, the trauma that's happened in that community. And... Um, I think you know Lyra McKee is writing about the the ceasefire babies. Is you know it it's shone light on there is a young generation that have not experienced the troubles firsthand who are suffering. You know one of the highest suicide rates in the world, incredibly high uses of antidepressants. There is so much hurt still in Northern Ireland, and I feel like they're scratching a, a wound mm-hmm. um, if this isn't carefully dealt with. Yeah. And peace is more important. Yeah. And another massive theme of the film is, of course, grief. Huge uh, driving force. It's what drives the sisters and propels them into, you know, uh, their psychosis and their episode together. And I think it's really impossible to talk about the themes of grief in this film without also talking about the real life grief that surrounds mm-hmm. the film which is you know there's somebody missing in this room today your co-lead and your other actress Mika McGuigan so how have you managed she's right next to her <laughs> no she's there yeah <laughs> she's whispering my ear she's telling me what to ask you <laughs> how how are you managing to navigate that now that it's all coming into media attention in a bigger way and coming to a greater audience. How is that for you both? It's a really strange one. Um, I think, I think you know, it was so unthinkable to have gone on this journey of remarkable bond between these two and myself. And you know, we, when we wrapped, we really felt like we had done something that, like. Once yeah. in a lifetime. Yeah. And still feel that way. I still feel that way. And but we thought we would get to the other side together, do you yeah. know? Like war veterans raising a, <laughs> raising a tequila. Yeah. And be uh, like, oh wow. 
that was that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. did it. We did it. And um, to lose Nika like during post production and so fast, it was like I, you can't put words in this. And I just find it incredibly hard to be back on set six weeks later and you know doing the pickups. And Norjean was heavily pregnant mm. at the time, but we knew what we had done and it wasn't finished yet and we had to finish it mm. and going back in the edit was like it was incredibly difficult seeing Nika every day but I do feel like it was like a very long goodbye because I got to I got to sit in that edit room with her for a very long time and and you know and just marvel at how amazing she is you know and I'll never get that opportunity to be absorbed so much in, in in what we created together but the time has come you know I'm, I'm kind of this story is bigger than us I hope and this is what's we have to let go of it now and mm-hmm. Covid has given I personally has given me the space to grieve and I feel in a very different place if this has happened any sooner I don't think I'd have this conversation with you I couldn't mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm in a place now where I want to celebrate what we did, and this is important. This is important for for female uh, filmmakers, for female leads, for people who want to work in a different way, for Irish stories, for Northern Irish stories, for just you know for what we did. I just it's it's done now, and let it let it do its own thing. And mm. yeah, yeah. I think I think lockdown has had its silver linings. It's been very challenging for everyone, and in all sorts of ways, but. Yeah, it had given that space. It meant that when the film was at Toronto and we were doing the first interviews and having to talk about it and try and sum up what this huge experience has been and and talk about Nika and everything else, it meant that we at least got to do it um, at home Mm -hmm. in a way that didn't feel as exposed or as out there and it was sort of a trickle. And then there was... um, you know, BFI and the Ireland mm. Film Festival, and then there was, um, you know, so it, it gives some space. Um, and for me, I think having a baby too, you just don't have much time to process mm-hmm. anything, and so it kind of gave those moments mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, but like I think if if you know, the film about grief, and if we're not able to, yeah, be honest and open about it, then, how difficult yeah. it is, yeah. how. Heartbreaking it is. And well, also, then. you know, Nika gave her heart and soul, and to share that is a really beautiful thing. So, you know, you bring the most important parts of yourself and what you've learned in your life to to that process and to the story and to the character, and that gets to be shared. So, um, like you said, it feels like the right time, and it feels like um, that's so important to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that lockdown didn't kind of stop that yes. you know, because that was the worry it was like oh god is it going to disappear is it going to ever go to a cinema yeah, are people going to delay get to see after it? delaying yeah so it just feels like there's a relief that it does get to be seen and you know yeah. I'm, I'm just so remarkably proud of the girls with the IFTA nominations absolutely like, I was just going to say you know five IFTA nominations for best film best director best screenplay and won a piece for you and Nika and add to that the IWC Schaffhauser 
uh, bursary, add to that the Cannes Grade 8, add to that, you know, the selections at Toronto and the other film festivals. You know, being recognised in this way and starting, I believe, starting to be recognised by awards, bodies and things like that, does it make it all worth it or is it even about that, you know? Does it give you, what does it give you? Well, it, I mean, it's it's not about accolades, but it, it shows that it's connected with people and that's what's important and that's what's so beautiful and it's so, it's so nice for people to acknowledge the special process that Kathy created and this the special journey that it was and um and that that is lovely and like that it was the boost and of knowing that um the film would have would have a life through covid and beyond so it was it was amazing to kind of feel oh great it's it's still it's still moving it's still going and i think it 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 helps propel the film you know, um, it might get a little, you know, with us, with the awards, it just kind of gets more eyes on it. And um, again, that just helps the story be heard, be seen, and hopefully people connect and, you know, they sense the, a sense of themselves, you know. Um, and like the, the IWC award is just, it's, it's honestly been incredible to just have a moment to go, whew, don't have to worry about bills for a minute. Um, I can focus on what. I want to do. Um, that means taking a little pause, taking a little break. Fantastic, and so that's allowed me to do that. It's allowed me to recharge, and like I'm now ready to come back to a story because I, you know, I'm an all or nothing kind of person. I'm going to go fully at something, and that takes huge amounts of energy, and you can't sustain that. But equally, when I'm not working, how am I surviving? So, mm. you know, the IWC award has really just given me the gift of time. Yeah, absolutely, and well. You know, the film is now coming to the public, to us, the general public. So it's beginning its journey in that sense. But for both of you, it's kind of the not the end of the road with the film, but it's kind of where you, like you say, have to let it go and do its own thing. It's like watching your child kind of grow up and maybe go to school or something. And uh, so now you're kind of stepping back and moving on to other things. So what is coming up for you both next? Uh, I've been writing, so I'm, I'm writing my second pilot and putting that out there and learning, I've learned an awful lot about that over the, that was another silver lining, the lockdown, time to do that. Mm. Um, and I just did a, a TV show with ITV called The Ipcris Files that'll be out, I think, the end of the year or the start of next year. Wonderful. And Kathy? Um, I'm going to be working again with Carlo and Charles, who um, produced Wildfire. And uh, it's a, a very, very different film. Uh, I'm looking to move into something that would be dark comedy, and it's going to be set in the Amazon jungle. A natural progression from wildfire. <laughs> well, it's all a jungle. It's all a jungle. <laughs> this one's just a little bit hotter. Um, it's just as dangerous. And just as rainy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, lots of rain. And uh, it's looking at a group of people without going into too much information who are really striving to um, do their best, but ultimately it's chaos. Mm, interesting. Well, thank you so much, Kathy and Nora Jane, for joining us on this FNI Rap Chat. It's been lovely to have you, and I'm absolutely delighted for this beginning of the success of Wildfire, and I can't wait to see what happens next.
Thank you for joining us for this special Film Network Ireland Rap Chat podcast on Wildfire. I've been your host, Remy Michelle Clark. And if you are intrigued by all of the many offerings that Film Network Ireland have for you, you can check us out on wearefni.com. And you can also find us at Film Network Ireland on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. We've got loads of really exciting things coming up for you, not to mention our membership programme being one. And also on the 27th of July, we have a special chat coming up with the cast of Love Hate. So we'll be remembering Love Hate with the cast and that's going to be up on Hopin. So if you want to be there for that, go and sign up, go to wearefni.com to sign up. And to find out more about Wildfire, its release dates, where you can see it, all of that good stuff, you can follow Samson Films on Twitter at Samson underscore films, uh, Kathy Brady at Kathy underscore Brady, or at Nora Jane Noon for Nora Jane on Twitter, and they will let you know what's coming up for them and what's coming up for the film. So I really hope you enjoyed this slightly different FNI rap chat, and there'll be more soon. So see you next time. This FNI Rap Chat was brought to you by Film Equipment Store, Octavid.com and our friends in the podcast studios. This episode was also a collaboration with Irish Film London. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.